G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Down deep inside, all of us have a giant in our lives that we're trying to defeat everybody. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. We're going to continue hearing about the life of David. Just as David faced Goliath, we can all have giants in our lives, whether they're financial, emotional or health-related giants. Let's get into the message now. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Samuel chapter 17, we continue our series on the story or life of David. Now, rather than starting out with a question this week, uh, just want to back down just a little bit, get a little quiet. Let me have your attention. Just listen to me, okay? There's not a person in the room that doesn't have a giant to defeat. And the reason you come here and I come here on the weekends, part of it is the spiritual buzz. I know that's okay. Maybe have our eyes opened about the world, about our lives, maybe meet God. But another reason down deep inside is all of us have a giant in our lives that we're trying to defeat, everybody. Most of us have suppressed the giant, denied that he exists, and we think that's the easy way out. But in reality, if you don't confront the giant, he doesn't go away. He just grows and gets bigger and bigger and stronger. And then you end up having a life, you feel defeated, you feel that it's mediocre, and you know it's not the abundant life Jesus came to bring because you haven't dealt with the giant. The giant in this room right now comes in many forms, could be in your marriage. You and your husband know things haven't been good for a very long time. Rather than confronting it, you just shove it over to the side and you hope it'll go away. He doesn't go. Instead, he gets stronger and he stands on the other side of the hill and he shouts to you every day of your life. Part of you wants a miracle. Part of you just wants out. But both you and your husband know things are not going in the direction they should be going. But you think by ignoring it, not talking about it, it's going to go away. Not going to go. For some of you, it's a child that's out of control. You've seen the pattern for a long time. Disobedience, rebellion. You think if you just don't deal with it as a mom or a dad, he'll grow out of it. And the giant will disappear. You know it. Your friends know it. Your husband knows it. Your family knows it. And you know it. And you're scared to death of this giant. 
what this is going to eventuate into. For some of you, it's the economy. It's taking its toll on you. Some of you have made really bad decisions. You just need to fess up. Others of you did not make bad decisions. You're just where you are because of where you are. It's just happened to you at the wrong place, the wrong time. Nevertheless, it is still like a giant. Financial giants are horrible, man, because they don't kill you. They don't slice your head off all at once. They just cut you into pieces, piece by piece, day after day. And they stand and scream and shout in the morning and the afternoon and the evening before you go to sleep. There's no peace in the house. For others of you, it's an addiction. A couple years ago, you started dabbling in something. You thought you could control it. You said it wouldn't grab a hold of you, but it did grab a hold of you like a big giant and a great vice. And you said, I can let go when I want to. And you wanted to, but then you found out you couldn't. And it's absolutely sucking the life right out of you. And every time Pastor Jeff talks about it, you hope he'll just move on to the next topic. For some of you, it is a wounded heart. You're hurting. I met a lady at Coffee Clatch this week that told me her husband came to her and said this, I know we've been married for 27 years, but I feel disconnected from you and the children, so I'm leaving. She wishes that somebody would go to her husband and say, wait a minute, your wife gave you 27 years of her life. She bore your children, man. She sacrificed so much willingly, gladly. And now you just walk in and you say, I feel disconnected. She wishes somebody would say, look, I know your emotions are real. I'm not denying there's something going on, but I'm asking you to take those emotions and escort them to the truth that you made a commitment for better or for worse. Her giant is going to be in the future, loneliness, financial issues, and trying to explain to her kids why her daddy won't come home. All of us are facing, all of us have giants. All of us. The feeling of insignificance, the fear of the future, the fear of bad health, the fear of finding my place in the world that I just won't matter. Do you know how many single women here who want nothing more than to be married to a strong Christian young man? But I'm telling you, I'm wondering where are the guys, man? Where are they? And their greatest fear, no kidding, their greatest fear is that they will not find someone with whom to share the rest of their life. And as they get older, the older they get, the more in intensifying the fear becomes. Some of you, or some of us, we, we have a, a feeling inside, it's a sadness and we can't put our finger on it, but it's there. And we hope by ignoring it, it will go away, but it doesn't. There's an emptiness, something that's missing and we know it. Again, but we hope if we just ignore the giant, it, it won't grow, it'll just go away. I don't know what your giant is, I have no idea. I could go on forever, but I wanna tell you something. If you deal with your giant inappropriately, here's what happens. It grows and then it goes and gets another giant and this giant is bigger, stronger, and louder than the first and then it penetrates every area of your life, not just that area. So if you have a feeling of insignificance, you might start lying and telling people things that have happened to you that make yourself look better than you really are. But you'll get to the point when you've told so many lies that you're like the character in the death of a salesman. You don't really know who you are anymore. You can't distinguish between the real you and the you you've made up. And that's a big problem. Some of you have a great fear that you're gonna be homeless, that the economy's gonna ruin you. So you've started to hoard now. You're the opposite, you're the antithesis of Jesus' words to be generous. So you keep, you hoard, you hoard. But as I've said before, your soul knows that and you can't trick your soul. You're living for something that is temporary and it's killing you. Little by little, piece by piece every day. 
And what I want you to know right out of the gate, before we get into this famous story, is that giants come into everybody's life, deal with it. You can count on it. It's going to come. And before you leave, I'm asking you to identify what the giant is. Ask the Holy Spirit to tell you that's sucking the life right out of you. Because Jesus came to bring the abundant life, not the one you're living. Now, when you've done that, here's the second part. Giants do not go away on their own. Instead, they grow. Now, look at the story. Famous story. Verse 3, just quickly. Here we go. 1 Samuel 17. The Bible says, here's the scene. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley in between. Now, this is very simple, but very profound. This scene of the great battle between the Philistines and the nation of Israel took place on one of the most famous battle scenes, the most famous battle scene in the Old Testament. You've got a hill here and the Philistines and Goliath and another hill over here with Israel and King Saul. And there's a valley right here that's about a mile wide. When you first approach the story, we're told that Goliath is standing here and he with the other Philistines in the army are shouting over. And it's all trash talk. Read 1 Samuel 17. I mean, it's just nothing but trash talk. It takes a, trash talk takes a lot longer time than the actual battle. You stink. We defy your God. We defy Israel. We defy Saul. Your mama's ugly. <laughs> and you know what? You're ugly too. You know, it's, it's just like that the whole time. And finally, the battle takes place in about, it seems like 10 seconds. At first, Goliath stands here and he shouts over to the nation of Israel. But by the time you get to verse 16, then the Bible says, the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and, and took his place or took his stand. And then by the time you get to verse 23, look what happens. As he was talking with them, that's David, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. You know the moral there. You know what's going on, right? If you don't confront and deal with the giant while he's over here, it won't be long before he'll not only be coming down his territory, he'll be coming up yours. If you don't deal with the giant, he will infiltrate every area of your life, every area, not just the one area, but he will ruin everything. Let me give you an example. Let's just use me. When I was in New Zealand, we met, our church did, at a, had two services, the good old days, two services. We met at the sports stadium. I was coming home after church, after second service, and I was driving. I'd picked up my family, so I had Delaney and Sia on the back, my wife, and we're driving, and the security guard at the stadium waves me down. I thought, hmm, he probably wants to tell me he enjoyed the service today. So I rolled down my window, and he says, hey, do you know you were speeding? I wasn't even on the road. I was in a back, you know, around the stadium. I said, pal, man, I'm going 20 miles an hour. He said, the speed limit's 15. Now, look, I don't know what happened. Well, I do, and I'll tell you what. I just, I just lost it. Has that ever happened to you? No, 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 no. I said, well, Barney Fife with a gun, excuse me. I'm going 20 in a 15. What are you, the five-mile-per-hour police? And my wife, and she's kind of looking at me. My kids are like, Dad. And I said, and another thing. This job's gone to your head, man. You got all this power and authority. Now you just want to boss people. That's your problem. And man, I just let, I can't even tell you half of what I said. I just let into it. My wife's grabbing my leg. What are you doing? And the guy was so mad. He said, wait till I tell the senior pastor. I said, I am the senior pastor. <laughs> my kids were behind me. They were like, dad, dad, be quiet. I went home with the kids. I went home with the kids. 
Next day's Monday, my golf day, when I play with a friend of mine who's a police officer. We're playing, third hole, doesn't matter, par four, pins in the middle of the green. I got about 135 yards. I pull out a nine iron, there's water left. I've got a good round going. Pull, hook it left into the water. Immediately, without even thinking, I take my nine iron and snap it over my leg. Just boom, threw it in the bag. My friend came over and said, Pastor Jeff, what's wrong, man? And I just broke right there. Let me tell you what was wrong. That was not me. I'm not like that. As far as you know, no, I'm not like that. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you what the problem was. The problem was this. I had been wounded severely by someone on my leadership team and I had not forgiven them. And the bitterness grew and grew and grew and it was changing my personality. It was changing who I was. I was just poisoned all in because I couldn't let go of what this guy had done. And it was finally through the conversation of my friend. He said, Jeff, man, you got to let this go. It's changing you. I don't even know if I like you. If you don't deal with the giant when he first comes, he poisons every part of your life, not just that one single part. I met a lady two weeks ago with permission. I use this. She said, Jeff, my greatest fear as a parent was that my children would not like me. So she said, I never said no to them. I never engaged in tough love. I let them say stupid things and talk about how clever they were. No ramifications for when they broke the barriers. And when I would make a hard and fast rule, my kids wouldn't complain and they knew about complaining, I would give in and I always did. And there was a part of me that was proud of myself for my new conservative or breaking out of the conservative parenting style. I'm gonna let my children raise themselves. She said, Jeff, they became undisciplined and disrespectful. She said, it dawned on me one day that the real problem was I was a coward, not my children. I was unwilling to deal with my fear. Instead, I allowed my fear to dominate me and lead me to take the coward's way out. The coward's way was to ignore my fear and hope that it would all go away by itself. Then she finishes, the sad thing is, the thing I feared the most, because I did not face it, became the very thing that eventuated. My children respect no boundaries. They detest authority of any kind. And the truth be told, they really don't like me that much. Giants come into your lives. You can count on it. Giants do not go away on their own. They grow and get bigger and stronger. And before we leave that, verse 34. David, here's the giant Goliath, and he goes to Saul, and he says, man, what's going on here? I'll take this guy out just like that. There's a reason he says that we'll get to. I'll take him out. Saul says, man, are you crazy? This guy is a Philistine-trained warrior. You're a farmer, man. You're a shepherd. David says, that's true. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now look up. I want you to imagine something. You're David. Really, this is a great story. Don't, don't dramatize it too much. It is what it is. You are David and you're watching the sheep. To whom do the sheep belong? David. No, David's father, right? He's watching the sheep on behalf of his father. Now imagine you, you're David, you're watching the sheep. A bear comes along, you got no gun. All you got is a big stick, maybe a slingshot. You got two options the way I see it. Number one, you can run and run fast. No one's gonna see you because you're out in the wilderness all by yourself. No one will know that you ran. 
except for the sheep and they won't talk, right? And they're not going to blame you. They're scared too. Sheep are not known for their, uh, their bravery. So they're not going to tell on you. That's the option one, run. What's the second option? Stand and fight. The problem is if you don't stand and fight, what will happen? Not really. What happens? The bear eats the sheep, right? He gets a taste of what sheep are like. He likes sheep. Uh, tastes like chicken, only more stupid. <laughs> so now, every time he gets hungry, what's he going to do? Go back for another sheep. So there's really only one option. Because sooner or later, the bear will have eaten all the sheep and David won't have a job. The only real option is that David stands and fights the giant. The beauty of it is, the way you approach your giants when you're young is the way you're gonna approach your giants all your life. If you start running and avoiding early, it's gonna be a life of on the run. But if you stand and fight, something beautiful happens. Look at verse 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, if you stand and you fight, then the power of God to give you success over the giants of your life will move past theory into reality. And facing and defeating giants for you will become the norm. But if you avoid them and you think they'll go away, they'll grow bigger and bigger and you will be a giant avoider all your life and be resigned to a life of mediocrity. Have you ever met anybody that just didn't seem to get upset about anything? Just kept their head in every situation. And do you notice how far people like that go? Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem about that. If you can keep your head when everybody else is losing theirs, yours is the earth and everything in it. For Christians, if you start facing your giants, you're gonna learn what it feels like when the power of God overwhelms you, gives you the power for victory. And then every time you face a giant, even if it gets bigger and bigger, you're gonna know what to do and you're gonna live a life that is above mediocrity. But let me give you a warning. And by the way, just let me say, let's take a pause. God wants your giant dead. Whatever it is. Fear of the future, fear of failure. I don't know what it is, but he wants it dead. But if you turn and face the giant, number three, if you go after him, you will be criticized. That's right. And it'll usually come from your Christian friends. Look at what happens. David shows up. He is a messenger boy from the father to his brothers, bringing food. David hears the giant and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. And look what he said. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? How many of you, raise your hand if you hate sarcasm. Don't you hate sarcasm? I told my first cousin once, I would rather you just slap me than be sarcastic. So he slapped me. <laughs> and then I had to change my tune. I would rather you not slap me, nor use sarcasm. <laughs> What's Eliab's problem? You know what his problem is, right? He's got Goliath sickness. He's got giant disease. Because every day that the giant comes out and stands and screams at him, you're a loser. You're ugly. Your mama's ugly. And you know what? You're God. I defy him. And every time Eliab cowers and doesn't face the giant is another day he dies a little bit. 
And then he becomes cynical and then critical of anybody else that wants to face the giant. As long as he's with his brothers, he's fine because they're all giant avoiders together. Misery loves company. But when David shows up and does what you should do, then his courage makes their cowardice, it exposes it and makes them feel guilty and they hate David. Now, I've got two friends. Well, I I have more than two friends, but I have two friends that are in... Now I know why, Pastor Jeff. I mean, you throw golf clubs, you speak about it. I got two friends. Both are in Celebrate Recovery. One's in Savannah, one's here. They are my heroes. I've said that before because they're facing the giants. They're saying, you know, I've had enough of this giant. He's ruined half of my life. He's not going to ruin the second half. I'm going to turn, face, and fight. With the power of God, I will overcome. And so my friend in Savannah told me that he went to his drinking buddies, alcoholic, and he told his friends that he was going to stop drinking. He said, Jeff, you would have thought that I committed the unpardonable sin. They didn't encourage me. They said, hey, man, what do you want to do that for? You don't need to stop drinking, man. You're not the problem. Your wife's the problem. Her problem is she doesn't like your drinking, so you get rid of her. Can you believe that? He said, Jeff, I I just kind of look stunned. I said, guys, man, this is killing all of us. And the more I said, no, it's not. We're mates. This is what we do. Yeah, it's our life. You don't want to do that. And the more serious he got about defeating this thing, the more his friends disassociated from him. And the reason is, the same reason Eliab is mad at David. When you turn and you face your giants, you you send a message of conviction to everybody around you that knows they too should be facing their giants, but they're too coward to do it. I'm sorry to be that harsh, but that is the way it goes. You You start telling your friends that you're walking across the room. And you're sharing your faith. And some even your Christian friends will say, man, why do you want to do that? You don't want to shove the gospel down people's throats where they're right about that. You don't. And if that's what you do, you deserve the ridicule. But if you're walking across the room in relationship and praying for God to open a door at the right time, the right place, and for you to share the love and message of Jesus, if you start telling people you're doing that, they'll say to you, why are you doing that, man? I mean, you shouldn't be doing that because it's, let me translate it. In their heart, they're thinking, man, that's what I should be doing. And you're making me feel guilty. Stop it. Let me tell you the hardest one. When your marriage is in trouble, now give some grace to Pastor Jeff. There's four or five women who get together and start meeting, or four or five men. Either way. (laughs) And you all start talking about the problem with your husband, and it starts growing. And over time, and then one of the women in the group one day says, you know what? I'm not sure we should be talking about our husbands like this. Uh, I think we should be a little bit more committed. Yeah, he's not perfect, but neither are we. You watch them come at her hard. Same thing with guys. You step out of the ranks and you say you're going to face your giant. I promise you. Because here's what happens. The longer you cower away from your giant, you develop a critical spirit and you become cynical and you criticize anybody who turns to face the giant because it makes you feel guilty. That is why they killed Jesus. The religious leaders knew that his life represented ultimately what God wanted, so they had to kill him. That's where we need to pause for today. But next time, we'll pick it up and continue to hear about David slaying the giant in his life and how we can defeat the giants in ours. One kind of courage will slay your giant. The other kind of courage will get you slain. True courage is seeing your fears through the lens of God's will and God's promise. 
Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.